guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's your host, Brad Silliker. Welcome to the O Club. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Dwight Ingersoll. Dwight, how are you today? Fabulous. How are you doing? I'm well, Dwight, thanks for asking. I'm sick. <laughs> and uh, get that cold, get that man cold, you know, that just everything else, everything shuts down. Yep. Um, so I've been, you know, dealing with that, but that's fine. Uh, thank you, Dwight, for being on the show um, today and looking, looking forward to the episode. I'm going to tell the people a little bit about you, Dwight. And if awesome. anything, any, after I read this, if you're like, that's not me, then maybe I've got the wrong Dwight Ingersoll. But I think we're good. <laughs> uh, Dwight is a counselor for the Pathway Christian Counseling. Uh, Dwight is rich in life experience and education that have prepared him to be a good therapist. As a child, Dwight lived in various locations in the Maritimes and the United States. He practically grew up attending church morning, noon, and night, even preaching at a young age. Although he first wanted to be a pharmacist, God led Dwight to attending Bethany Bible College, now called Kingswood University, in Sussex, New Brunswick, where he earned a Bachelor of Arts in Religion with a Pastoral Ministries major. After spending nine years serving as a pastor, Dwight recognized the lack of availability of Christian counseling in the Maritimes. As such, he returned to university to enhance his skills as a counselor and educator through the completion of a three-year degree, Master of Art in Counseling Psychology at Providence Theological Seminary near Winnipeg, Manitoba. Through this program, Dwight has learned to combine his passion to bring healing and health to people with professional standards and practices predetermined by the counseling profession. As well, he has refined his passion to see the church take an ethical and excellent role in the therapeutic process. Dwight has a deep concern for the ministry to and education of those who serve in full-time Christian ministry, yet his heart and training have equipped him to help anyone in need. He's quoted as saying, our greatest desire is to be useful in your journey through whatever particular needs you have in, in seeking the assistance of a counselor. Please feel confident in knowing that we are available and pleased to help. Dwight, again, welcome to the show. Great to be here. First ever podcast I've been a part of, so thanks for inviting me. That, listen, I have to tell you, that surprises me. <laughs> well, first of many. Awesome. Um, I actually, I got to share with Dwight just before uh, we began this uh, recording that he had a part to play in the inception of the Oxford Holy Club podcast. I met Dwight a couple of years ago now, or a year and a half ago at, um, at a men's retreat with the Nazarene Church, and he was the speaker. And um, I was, in my head, I've, I've been praying and seeking the Lord about Christians and mental health and working with youth and, and all of that. And and through a bunch of different circumstances in, in meeting Dwight and interacting with him and getting to know him a little bit and through our teens and all that, uh, really birthed this desire in, in me and others to have a, a way of answering questions, of just engaging in conversation. And, and so anyway, Dwight, you know, again, I say thanks. Um, I just, it's, it's, sorry, go it's ahead. A it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. It's and, a beautiful uh, thing. Back when, back when that um, men's retreat took place, 
Um, you don't really know how the ripple effects are going to happen. You don't know what's going to come out of events like that. Yeah. Uh, but the the networking and just the chance to to build other opportunities to work together. Um, God's providence tends to uh, tends to be at work when we don't even see it happening. Yeah, so really. It's it's a joy to be with you tonight. Well, Dwight, um, I tried to give you a little bit of a heads up so that you knew what you were coming into. Uh, we yep. have some serious stuff we want to get to, get to the meat. Um, what one of my friends actually coined, he coined the phrase theological beef jerky. Um, nice. We're going to chew on some, you know, some theological stuff in a bit. But we also like to kind of start things off a little lighthearted. And so I, I was combing the Internet for some different questions and things that people were asking. This one for me rings really true because I worked there twice. But they said this. Hey, everyone. I think that we would all feel better if we shared our favorite memory of Blockbuster Video. What's your favorite memory? <laughs> uh, I have many because I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> so I was I was probably around um, when Blockbuster first opened. Who knows? But I remember going to Blockbuster Video in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Okay. Uh, it was it was up close to um, Smythe Street and Prospect Street, somewhere around that that area of of Fredericton, and um, and I remember leaving Bible College and going up to Fredericton to visit friends and a girlfriend at one point, and it was the highlight of the weekend, uh, <laughs> going to see what the new releases were at. Yep. at Buster. It was, and and it was VHS back in those days too. There was no, it wasn't the DVD days. It was the old, uh, the old tapes, and you would just hope that they hadn't been chewed up by somebody else's machine and uh, wow. and sent back into the. So, yeah, good good times, good times. What about you, Brad? Well, I worked there it, when I when I moved away from PEI, um, eighteen nineteen years old. I moved to Moncton, New Brunswick, and went to school. But I I needed a job, and so I applied at this Blockbuster. And when I was there, I don't think they had any VHS. So <laughs> I, I think by that time the DVD had taken hold. Um, yeah. But that's all right. So, so I worked there for for a while, and I, you know, I really enjoyed um, the interaction with different people. But my favorite thing about working there was that you got, as an employee, you got ten rentals every week. Bonus. So you could take home ten DVDs, or uh, for for me, I was a video gamer, so you know, it was games. The the three other uh, three other employees, the three other roommates that I had at the time. We would we would play games to see who got to pick the releases that week, uh, and so it, it you know we bonded we bonded over abusing um, my privilege. Of it, it sounds it sounds like the book of Acts where they cast straws to pulled straws to see who was going to be the next disciple. You you were you were that spiritual. There there's part of your your spiritual heritage. To, uh... I never looked at it like that. Wow, <laughs> spiritual formation at Blockbuster Video. Man, there's a book. There's a book waiting to happen there, Brad. You know, the the only other thing I will say is this: the other thing I loved about working there, it was they had this. They had this. Um, I don't know, subscription you paid every month, and you would get this little booklet with different coupons and stuff like that. Yeah. And so internally, there was always this competition of who could sell the most. Gotcha. And so I made it my goal to be that person that could sell the most. So I think I sold like 35 or 40 of those things in one shift. And uh, just like people, the lineup were huge, but I was explaining to every single person why they needed this membership and all that. 
clear. So did you get a, oh, did oh, you get a kickback? Did you get a kickback on those or what? Like no, no, <laughs> no. Bragging rights. Bragging rights. You know, there was a there was a time where I I had been there for a while and I thought about management, about yep. like taking the next step up. Clearly, that would have gone real well. Oh man, you you would have taken that man. It would still be alive today. Thank you, Dwight, for the the confidence that you're showing in my skills as a blockbuster employee. Wow, for sure. For sure. Now, the question that was asked about this, though, kind of they they said that I think we would all feel better if we shared our favorite memory. So I have to. I'm just asking because it's within the question. Dwight, do you feel better having shared? I I feel like a, a brand new man. Isn't that amazing, Lis- listener? <laughs> Tell us if you're old enough to remember Blockbuster Video. Send send us send us what your favorite memory is and enjoy feeling better. How about that? The next question is even more serious. Cereal before milk or milk before cereal? Dwight, I've noticed with questions like this, we can divide our fan base. There's always that that's why we don't talk about politics here. Um, but but, you know, we've talked different food things where it's been polarizing. And here we go again, because we're not afraid to go, you know, to go deep into the serious issues of life. Cereal before uh, milk or milk before cereal? So uh, I, need, I need your help on this because I, for breakfast, eat cereal with milk on it. Okay. That's- with coffee for a beverage. So I don't know where I fall in that. I don't, like, I... I take a spoonful and whatever comes out is what I'm eating. There's no, there's no segregation. There's no favoritism. So where, where do I, you, you tell me. Well, to me, that seems normal that what you, what you're describing seems to me like it would be normal. I think the question that they're asking is, do you pour the cereal in your bowl first and then put the milk on it? Gotcha. Or do you, or do you put the milk in and then put the cereal it would be it would be gross and terrible and evil to put the milk in first and uh, then splatter right. it all over no like that's just that makes no sense i completely like, agree what kind of deranged person would even come up with that as an option now i would i think that okay now i say that i completely agree but there could be an argument for sugar or for cereals that you put sugar on let me just let me just toss this out there. As someone who eats, you know, some different cereals, um, I like to. I'll, I put my cereal in the bowl. I pour the milk in. No, sorry, I put my cereal in the bowl. Then I'll sprinkle the sugar on it. If if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm splurging, you know, and and but, then I'll pour the milk on. But the problem is the milk takes the 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 sugar off the top and takes it to the bottom. So now your first bites of that crunchy top are sugarless and it's just sitting in the bottom. So, so then what I do is I'll sprinkle more sugar because you can't go wrong with a layer of sugar on top and on the bottom. You can't go wrong with that. And there's always this little bit of sugar that's, that's dissolved in the, in the, in the milk at the end. So it's kind of a, a, it's like the extra fries at the bottom of the McDonald's bag. Right. But, but this is 2018. So that also raises the question, do you really need to add sugar to your already probably sugar-filled infused cereal? Not, not, there's no judgment there. I mean, you do you, um, but come on. Well, now I feel bad. So, 
I need to go back and revisit the blockbuster question just to get my feels up. But well, maybe it's just the again, I, I'm old and I have no, to uh, have no. to manage my sugar intake. It could be that. Well, well, like I, I enjoy Vector, not a sponsor. You know, Kellogg's Vector cereal. I do. And I do. And I remember, actually, it's funny that you'd mentioned that. I remember a couple of years, probably, oh my word, maybe 10 years ago, a, a teenager eating that cereal and I was over visiting with their parents and, and with them and they were having this cereal and I said, are you going to put any sugar on that? And he goes, yeah. no, it's already sweet enough. Yeah. I haven't, yeah. I've forgotten about that moment until right now. I have some yeah. soul searching to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pray for you, my son. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. So if I... Uh, so you would put the cereal in the bowl and then pour the milk on. Absolutely. A hundred percent of the time. Okay. Let me just ask this then. When you make your coffee in the morning, do you put the, yeah. this isn't one that was already ready, so you couldn't be ready for this question. Do All you, right. do you put the milk in the bottom already and let the coffee pour into that? Here's a funny thing. In my pastoral ministries training, uh, at what used to be Bethany Bible college, uh, I worked with a pastor who taught me to drink my coffee black. Good man. Um, Good man. He he said, uh, you will go to people's homes and they will ask you if you want anything for your coffee, even if they don't happen to have it in their house. Oh. So so he said, you, you get used to drinking coffee black so that you don't have any awkward moments with people who are being nice. And offering you something that really they are praying you don't actually want. Um, so, so when I I have not had milk in coffee for probably twenty five years. Wow. Uh, so and uh, I'm I've never met a cup of coffee I don't like. Yep. Uh, it can be watered down cheap stuff. It can be bitter. It can be burnt. It can be black. It can be strong. I've, it can be cheap or expensive. I love it all. So I'm certainly not a connoisseur brother, but, uh, there's no, there's no milk content in my, uh, in my morning Joe. That's for sure. Well, I am the same as you, although I didn't quite, I didn't learn it like that. That's a, that's an, a life hack or, you know, pro hey, tip. It only cost me $40,000 in my first degree. Well, you, you would have, you would have got that back on the money you saved not buying milk. Absolutely. Wait for your coffee, but I guess you have it in your cereal. You ne never mind. There you go. True enough. Uh, true enough. I stopped drinking milk in my coffee because I was trying to lose weight, and so I stopped putting sugar and yep. and milk in my coffee. Yep. But put those in my cereal anyway. Yeah. Well, Dwight, one of the reasons why we have you on the show tonight is um, because in within the next well, the next four to five weeks, we're going to be gathering together in Summerside PEI for a youth rally and uh, probably 100, 150 teenagers and leaders will be descending on the Summerside Church of the Nazarene. And yeah, really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. Yep. And as um, I'm part of the team that kind of puts these together and, and gives leadership to that. And as as you know, we've, we've been praying and seeking God's will on um, what is the direction, Lord? What what kind of conversations do you want us to, to have with the youth? And, and Lord, please put people in our lives, in our way that, that are more qualified than us. We'll, we'll certainly, we'll always talk, but, um, 
but people that are knowledgeable and have the experience. And so uh, the Lord's really been leading us down the path of, of having conversation around Christians and mental health. Um, I have, I, we, we started doing this thing at our youth rallies that on the Sunday, uh, the last day in the morning, we would do a question and answer period. We would put our cell phone numbers on the screen and kids could send in, there was, you know, five, six leaders at the front. A few of us had our phones. They could send in questions and, um, and we would do our best to, to answer them in the moment if we could. But we always made it clear, especially when, when questions had, there so many questions had to do with mental health. Mm. Uh, we made it super clear that we are not counselors. We're not experts in the area of mental health and, and that there is no shame in, in talking to someone that is trained to deal with this. Um, and I would get questions and things like, you know, I, I pray every day and I'm still depressed. You know, why isn't this feeling going away and, and, and things like that. And, and as a pastor, you know, I get people that, that talk to me about these things, but I'm, I, I always refer. And, and it's not because I, you know, I'll, I'll meet with people as much as they want to up until the point where they're not really wanting help, if you know what I mean. Yep. But I'll always refer. And, and so, you know, um, having met you and, and seen you at the men's retreat there a while ago, uh, I, I threw your name into the mix and we, we prayed about it and, and felt, felt clear that this was the direction and that you were the speaker to come. Yep. And uh, really, again, really appreciate the fact that you were willing to, to do that. I know that you're a busy guy um, and also very grateful for the church uh, to release you to come with us for, for that time. So I kind of wanted to, uh, to just use this time to, to give it to you if you, if there's, you know, um, kind of what you're sensing and feeling maybe for the youth rally. Uh, I'd love to be able to send this out to our teens to say, hey, you want to kind of get a, a little snapshot of, of our speaker, get to sense his heart and, and what he's bringing, then here, give this a listen. Or uh, if there's something else that's pressing on, on you that you would like to talk about in relation to, to anything, but to, you know, mental health and the Christian, then the floor is yours. And, uh, and if, things, if things get awkward, then I'll just ask a question. <laughs> well... <laughs> Again, I can't I can't tell you enough how how grateful I am to have the chance to um, to share a little bit of my heart tonight. Um, I think the demise of the modern day teen is being largely over exaggerated. Hmm. Um, I, I think there's there's a lot more going for our adolescents, and I think there always has been, um, and for our young adults as well than the the church gives it credit for. After all. Uh, Adolescence represents newness, yep. represents uh, a shift, um, reflects a shift, I should say, in our society and in our culture. And the the status quo of which I'm a part, and even though I, I would hope to be open to change, um, I am far more comfortable um, keeping the status quo, sadly, than I am in embracing change. It's there's all kinds of reasons for that that we can get into another night, but sure. um, but as it stands right now, I'm I'm incredibly optimistic. Now, it's no secret that depression and anxiety are spiking in North America. Yeah. It's no secret that questions about sexual identity and sexual ethics are going through the roof in North America. It's no secret that family breakdown is is picking up speed, and the church. The Christian church tends to be 
uh, lagging behind the culture instead of leading the culture when it comes to morality and practices and those types of things. That being said, um, just because we pray and don't get the answers to our prayers, or just because we pray and we're still sad, it might be a bit of a jumping to conclusion to label that as depression. Sure. Um, there's, there's been a generation, they're now in their 30s and 40s, uh, that have grown up with two primary lessons. One is get rid of toxic people out of your life because haters are going to hate. Um, and as you and I both know at the ages that we're at, if you get rid of everybody who might be toxic at times before long, you're left standing by yourself. Very much and so. It, and it doesn't, it doesn't teach us how to do real community. That's, that's one dilemma. The other dilemma is the promise that you can do whatever you want and you <laughs> should do what makes you happy. Uh, which both, I got to tell you, are a direct offense to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Uh, Jesus never said, do what you want. Uh, and Jesus never said, do what makes you happy. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Yeah. Um, and that might mean taking up your cross and following me. That might mean um, crossing crossing some people or some organizations that that um, might cost you a great deal on this earth. So I, I think those two lessons or those two principles that have been drilled into North American society are starting to bear some very bad fruit. Um, and I think that the generation that I'm going to be speaking to in a few weeks has amazing potential to say, um, this trend needs to end. Yes. Uh, it needs to end with me uh, in the form of me creating community, not just expecting to, to stumble into it. And for me to really call Jesus King, not so that he can give, give me what I want, um, but for his own namesake. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm super pumped. I think there's, there's lots, of, uh, lots of psychological dynamics that go into us as human beings. I think the Bible is, is very open to that. I think, I think Scripture, both Old and New Testament, uh, speaks into our overall psyche. I think Scripture reflects the, the emotional nature of our Heavenly Father, for example. Sure, sure. Uh, especially through the Psalms, um, through Song of Solomon, through Proverbs, and of course, through the incarnate Jesus. Um, so I don't think we can separate those two in order to, to either make people super spiritual or reduce them to psychology. I think we can, um, we can do justice to both and, um, and, and help our, our, our adolescents, our teens, um, find their way to be, to be radical and to be, um, to be agents of change in yeah. our society. That's fantastic, Dwight. I, you, you referenced, uh, excuse my voice. You referenced the generation that heard those two those two things, and and I'm I'm in that generation. Yeah. Uh, and and I I remember hearing though specifically the you can be anything you want to be. Yep. And 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 I don't I don't want to say this in, with any kind of judgment or anything judgmentally or whatever, but you'd be blind not to see that there is a generation of people feeling entitled. 
to doing whatever they want. And when they don't get their way, they don't get why. When, yeah. when, when things aren't handed to them, they go, what? Yeah. I, but I was told I was special. I was told I could do anything. And, and, and you're right. The gospel just doesn't say that. Jesus, and you quoted perfectly, you know, do you love me? Feed, feed my lambs, you know. Yep. Now, now in, in fairness, um, there, are, there are members of every generation mm-hmm. that have drunk that Kool-Aid, aren't there? Sure. Um, that, that I can be or I can do or I deserve. Uh, you, can go back to, you can go back to medieval times and, well, even the, the classes that have been built into various societies. Oh, yeah. Uh, have that have that inheritance built right in it could be argued uh that you know even the 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 hebrews uh there were certain measures of inheritances that but but in that there's a there's an equal sense of responsibility that we're called to steward the opportunities the gifts the abilities we're we're called Absolutely. to to manage those things not called to simply indulge or consume them um, and, and I think my generation, certainly my parents' generation, um, we have a lot to answer for. So I think, I think one of the reasons why I'm super excited to talk to the, to the teens is because I think it's a way that somebody from their forties can kind of undo some things that other 40 somethings like myself have inadvertently, uh, created. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. And you, you make a really interesting point. I had the opportunity uh, last year to go to Calgary to sit down with different youth leaders and pastors from the church. And we were cool. just, one of the questions that we were, they brought in a, a, a sociologist and I forget his name at the moment. It was an excellent talk and conversation, but we were talking about millennials. You know, we, we put that, that term on. And they gave, you know, they gave the age bracket for who was a millennial just based on their studies. I was one year out of that. So I, yep. I didn't classify as a millennial. I just put my hands up and like, praise the Lord. But, uh, <laughs> but one of the things that we talked about was admitting the fact that we created that yep. and, and taking the responsibility to, to recognize, okay, this didn't just happen in a vacuum. This, this mentality, all this didn't just come out of nowhere. We made this. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to set this right? And so it's, it's really encouraging to, to have a conversation with someone that's like, okay, here's, here's what happened. Now, what are we going to do about it? Absolutely. And you know, you see it in all, you, you mentioned the sociologist, you see it in all sorts of areas from real estate to the stock market. Um, there are, there are causes and effects. Yeah. There, there are, what one of my mentors call ripples, you know, you throw a you throw a stone in the water and the stone's going to disappear, but you are going to see the ripples move in, in circles, bigger and bigger, um, over over time, uh, and it's not to it's not to shift blame. That no. is not that's not my my bag at all, but to to share responsibility, and this is something, Brad, that uh, some churches, and I, I would I would dare argue. Uh, Nazarenes, Wesleyans, and the Baptists that I'm now a part of. I've been I, my heritage is obviously with the Wesleyans. Um, we were not really great at creating men and women. Mm. Um, we we hope that they develop. We do what we can, uh, 
uh, or we we do what we think we know. Um, but as far as there being expectations and even gateways or passageways like we see in Aboriginal um, peoples, in First Nations peoples, uh, in Judaism, um, there aren't official expectations that you're at this age bracket. There should be a, a level of maturity that comes along with that, yes. however that's measured and however it's defined. Um, and so when the family unit, which used to be the foundation of the Protestant faith, at least, you know, mm -hmm. everything got passed through the, the family unit versus the church and Catholicism, um, when that small unit is breaking down, then it does really put more of an onus on us, doesn't it? Oh, sure. Those, those of us who are in community in church or or even more to a degree of, of professional ministry, it puts more of an onus on us to, to develop standards for our own self-leadership. Yes. Um, and then to, to have healthy expectations that are, that are reachable, um, that are, that are, uh, attainable, uh, for both men and women as they, as they progress. So. I, I think that's true. What you just said. And only because that's bore out in my own life. Sure. Um, and without, uh, it's not, this is not a tooting of my own horror and like that, but I recognize that a lot of things in my own life that didn't happen, um, the expectations and some of the conversations that should have happened that would have prepared me and, and challenged me for the age that I was at didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and so while I didn't say it as eloquently as you did, you know, I, I, I want to change, I want to change that, yeah. you know, with engaging with the teens, um, specifically for me with the male teens, because there's some conversations and things I just can't. But, it, but it's finding female leaders that can step into that as well. But right. anyway, I'm uh, rambling now. But about changing that narrative and, and cre you know, creating those expectations and that, you know what, you're this old. Th these are those conversations that we should be having. And this is the expectation yeah. uh, for you. And, and, yeah. you. and with God's help, you can. Like, this is not so that we're setting you up to fail. This yeah. is setting you up for success. That's right. That's right. But you, you got it. And, and humanity, humanity thrives under that. Oh, sure. Uh, we do, we do well, uh, when there is, uh, when there are reasonable expectations that are mutually agreed upon. Um, we, we do, we do well, um, typically through, through history, mm -hmm. uh, when they're, when those expectations are communicated well, when they're reasonable, uh, and when they're agreed upon is when we just expect people to to mature as they get old. Um, the, science just isn't bearing that out. Um, people get old when we get old. Yeah. Full stop. Um, but maturing is a matter of the soul. It's a matter of a combination of, That's of right. wisdom, wisdom and experience and behaviors um, that – well, I think it was Paul that said, I, I beat my body, I make it my slave, you know, and, and he was he was putting it in the context of I need to I need to allow my body to be an ally with me to accomplish what Christ wants me to accomplish. Mm. So I need to put it under rigorous expectation and and it's no it's no different. For us, it's no different um, for for these guys and gals that we're gonna see in a in a few weeks. You know, uh, I think a lot of what we just talked about, too, could be summed up in one word, maybe. Accountability. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, if if it's accountability, uh, Brad, I've never seen accountability done really well. Okay, talk to me about that. Um, back in the '90s, when when accountability was was pretty new on the radar screen, and this is when spiritual formation really started taking off. And cut me off when I when I ramble too long, Brad. Um, when when that stuff was was really starting to get traction. Um, a, a, accountability just turned into creative lying. Ooh. Um, we we found new ways to get around, to either get around the growth, mm-hmm. uh, or to or to fool people into thinking that we were better than we were. Sure. Um, and and so I, I think I think accountability is a lot more nuanced, and there's a lot more layers to it. Um, because frankly, it's hard to find people that you trust, um, in the matters that you need to trust them. (laughs) If that makes sense. It it does. Okay. Uh, so to have somebody impose those relationships on you, um, there's a really low likelihood that you're going to trust that relationship. Um, it's only when you recognize that, you are flawed in a particular area, um, and this would come from twelve-step groups as well, I suppose. Sure. When when you recognize that you in and of yourself don't have the power uh, over whatever your circumstance is, and you go looking um, for the term I use as mentor, I guess, yes. for a person yeah. that can that can not just hold you compliant to a certain behavior, but actually help you to be transformed. Um, I, I think that's my dream. Well, and and I will say that that is what I mean. But when I like to me, uh, and you, you said, you know, when like mutually agreed upon, this isn't you imposing a set of rules on someone and going, you know, and now tell me, how did you do this week on, on this? Right. Um, what I have found for me in terms of accountability is I have two people in my life, um, besides my wife. Yep two people in my life that I have absolute trust in that I can be transparent with about anything. Beautiful. And, and they will challenge me to help me grow, not for me to stay and be like, Oh, it's okay. But so for me, I want to create that for others. I want to create that with, with youth. Um, that's my area that I work in. Right. So, um, so, and it's not for, it's not, unfortunately it's not for everyone. It's identifying a few and, and throwing out this, not as a, Hey, we're just having an accountability group, you know? And so I'm going to tell you, here's, here's, you know, what the Bible says about this, this, this. So don't do those and tell yeah. me next week. It's about living for me. This was what it's been about living life transparently as men, um, recognizing, like you said, that we're flawed and, 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 and being transformed through the, the power of the Holy spirit in our lives. And so my experience thus far with, with that has been, um, if they're lying to me, I can't tell, <laughs> Yeah, uh, because we have, we've had some very vulnerable conversations about, about stuff and, yeah. and it's been cool. So, you know, and, and when I think of accountability, I think of that and it is a mentorship in some regards, I'm leading that, but, um, anyway, that's, that seemed really self-serving. So I might cut that whole thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm the only one that gets it. Me and Dwight, we got this. 
I do think there are other people out there certainly doing that and creating that, but it there's you need an awful lot of trust. Yeah, within, it's huge. W- within that. Yeah. Um, Dwight, is there anything else just kind of that you would want to share but before we move on? Um, no, just you know, I am excited to to um, to download some of this stuff uh, with the guys and gals. I you know I, I think I think it's a message that needs to be heard. I think it's a message that can be that can be translated into into action pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I'm I'm just I'm really I'm I'm working hard. Uh, I want to make it right, but I also want to just basically be be holding the door open for the Holy Spirit to do what what he needs to do. Amen. Uh, and um, and that's how he tends to that's how he tends to bless things anyway is is for for you and I and and others to get out of the way. Yeah. Uh, but to get out of the way faithfully, not to shirk our responsibilities. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about that, Brad. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you Dwight <laughs> for taking the time to share that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for our Not A Sponsor break, the part of the show where we highlight a product that we feel does it better than anybody else but doesn't support us financially. Nobody does it In case you haven't noticed, I have a cold. And what do you reach for when you have a cold? Let me tell you what I do. I go to the old medicine cabinet and I reach for... Tylenol cold and sinus extra strength. It's effective relief for your cold and sinus symptoms, including nasal congestion. Hello. Sinus pain and pressure. Got it. Fever and headaches. Mm-hmm. So that you can get back to normal, whatever your normal is. Trust the relief of Tylenol cold and sinus to relieve your cold and sinus symptoms. Tylenol cold and sinus is offered in a convenient day and night pack for relief around the clock. For effective relief of nasal congestion, sinus pain and pressure, headache and fever, runny nose and sneezing. Uh, Now that bracketed nighttime only. Apparently your nose only runs at the night. And they've got a capsule to take care of that. This thing has got me back on track. My voice isn't there, but everything else is starting to turn around. And in my opinion, nobody does it better at getting me back to normal, whatever my normal is, than Tylenol Cold and Sinus. Extra strength. Not a sponsor. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are glad that you've continued to listen to the podcast to this point. Um, We're now going to move into one of our Wesley questions. And for those of you that are longtime listeners, you know what I'm about to say. These are one of the 20. We're looking at one of the 22 questions that John and Charles Wesley and his accountability group would ask each other every time they met. Um, And they use these questions to keep each other accountable to one another and before God to be transparent, kind of what we talked about. Um, And they also to me, I'm looking at 22 questions with a group of men that would take a while to really go, you know, in depth. So there's a part of me that really thinks maybe they use these to focus themselves and, and to keep these things before them. It wasn't, you know, anyway. And so we've been tossing these questions out each, each week and, um, and just looking for any thoughts that you may have Dwight and, and I'll share a little bit too on why I feel this is an important question. Um, but the question before us this week is, am I defeated in any part of my life? There's a probing question. That's a huge question. And, and I get this question in the therapeutic relationship all the time. Um, the, the question that I am defeated, hmm. the, the statement that I'm not good enough often comes through loud and clear, which is, I think, a paraphrase of this, of this question. Now, 
by by God's grace, I think I think Charles and John were were wise to 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 highlight in any part of my life. Yes, uh, because they knew the theology was strong that we we might be knocked down but not plowed under, so to speak. Right. Uh, I, I think they were interested in in wondering, or have you lost the battle too? Uh, impulse, lack of impulse control, those those types of things, but it is a it is a common shame based uh, question right now, or it's a common shame based um, element of people's lives that because my marriage didn't work, because my dating relationship didn't work, because I I didn't get into such and such university, um, then I'm done. Then I'm I'm yeah. you know how. How could this possibly happen? What's wrong with me? Um, so, so I'm just going to hit on that and say, if if, if any of our listeners uh, are feeling that way, you are not alone. Um, it is incredibly common. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be you, but it's going to be one of the ways that I believe the enemy of your soul uh, is going to start labeling you, uh, and he's going to la- label you as being conquered. Uh, instead of being more than a conqueror, mm-hmm. which scripture tells us that we are. You said something I think that's important that we highlight. Um, this is a shame thing. The enemy uses and, and tosses on us all this shame. And, and the fact is, if we're in Christ, he came to defeat all that. That's right. And that's right. And we're so, okay, have we messed up? Yeah, but. Let's admit our mistake. Let's ask for forgiveness. Let's repent and let's move on. Let's not let the enemy keep us in that headspace of going, how did that happen? How could this happen? You know, right. let's, let's move on because the moment Christ forgives you for that sin is gone. Yep. You know, um, do we still have the memory? Yeah, of course we do. It, you know, if we can learn from it and grow from it, then we'll be better for it. So, yeah. To me, to me, I, I, I'm going to see if I can articulate this well. There are a lot of people, and in, in my experience, a lot of Christians that kind of are still, still, um, they're not on the resurrection side of the cross, if, yeah. if you want to put it like that. They're still in this place where Jesus is on the cross, dying for their sin, but but they, they stay in in this constant, um, this constant loop of they, you know, they mess up, they ask for forgiveness, and they mess up and they ask for forgiveness. But what they haven't realized is that there's a resurrected Savior, and and He sent the Holy Spirit to to empower and to fill, and and there's a whole other life in the Spirit, where where the shame is is taken away and gone, and and does it mean we're perfect? No, I'm I sorry, I'll be the first to admit I'm not perfect. Have I been defeated in any area of my life? Yeah, because if I said that no, then I'd be lying, and then you know, then I'd be defeated, but (laughs) right. But it's, it's about recognizing who you are in Christ. It's an identity thing to me in recognizing that you're his child, that, that you're, you're not this sinner that just lives in that space anymore. Uh, And I used to sing this song and I'm, and I'm not going to mention who it's from, but it was a a song called sinner, uh, uh, sinner saved by grace. Yep. And, and, you know, the line is, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'd like to change that. I was a sinner, but I've yeah. been saved by grace. I'm now a child of God. 
So yeah. I want to get out of that defeated place of going, oh, I'm just a sinner. You yep. know? Yep. Talk, and, talk to me. And Brad, I, I think um, in, in our shared heritage in holiness churches, it's, it's ironic to me um, mm. that, that some holiness churches are some of the ones that are the worst at articulating this. Uh, in the sense that we we have taught victory over sin, we've we've taught absolute transformation, which is which is biblical. We've taught holiness, sanctification, all these words. Yeah. Um, but we, out of some sort of fake humility, we can't celebrate who God has made us. You're you're dead um, on. Keep going. And and, and I, I fear that that is not an absence of pride. <laughs> um, that it, is not, it is not real humility um, to deny the work that Christ has done on the cross and continues to do by not just, not just giving us victory, but also giving us the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, so, in other words... There's nothing wrong with saying God has equipped me with certain gifts and abilities to contribute to his work around the world. That's not prideful. No. But yet we, we make it that. Um, and, and so I think we have a long way to go. I have a long way to go. I mean, theologians, um, far superior to I and, and you even probably Definitely. Uh, have, have debated the whole identity question. Um, but I do know this. Um, if my identity is is low, then I will live down to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. La- last year, I ran I ran a marathon and I started at the very back because I I didn't want to get passed by anybody. Hmm. Um, and in me not wanting to get passed by anybody, I ended up running with them. This year, I ran with runners. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did not want to associate with those who were non-runners. I wanted to at least have the feeling of what it was like to be in the middle of the pack. And I ran a far superior race. Um, and, and there's a lot to be said spiritually for us uh, if out of some fake humility we hang our heads and we say, oh, I'm just a sinner. Well, before long, I think I'm going to be seeing you on in my office because your lifestyle choices are going to are going to come down to that. I'm just a sinner anyway. Yes. You know, we, we hear boys will be boys when it comes to sins that are perhaps more common to males. We hear, you know, what women are like when we hear of sins that are more common to gals. Um, and and that's got to stop. It must end. Um, the, the world is looking for the church to, to be transformative. Uh, we can't be hanging our heads and saying, well, we're, we're poor and pitiful. No, um, scripture tells us that we are a royal priesthood and that's not an egocentric thing. Um, but it gives glory to who demands it. And, and I think, I think there's hope for us to do that. Well, Dwight, I think that you're, you're right. You're right. Um, I actually read recently. It's funny because I was in a I was in a course 
that was talking about these these things, you know, a lot of the terms that we have in the holiness denomination. So like holiness and sanctification, you know, entire sanctification and, and all this stuff. What bothered me more than anything about these things was how complicated and convoluted we made them. Yep. When yep. when the, the gospel and the truth is is simple, is it always easy to live out? No, not always. Um but the truth of these things, the reality of these things is not as complicated as we've made it. And, and so we get people that look at this and they go, well, that, I could never, I could never because, because we've, we've lumped on so much extra stuff. Yep. You know, we've, we've made the yoke heavy yep. on, on people. Um, yep. Yep. And it, it just, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm I'm glad you have righteous anger on that because I'm not making Jesus into an image of you. I think you're you're reflecting some of what he witnessed uh, and why he was such uh, a contrast to the layers of religion that had been built around the original covenant that God gave to His people. Hmm. Um, and when when Jesus cut through that, I, I think specifically of the ceremonial washing and some of these things that were called the traditions of the elders, um, just more layers that were built on yeah. um, that that robbed the covenant of its intent, um, of this intimate union between Christ and, and his bride, right? And um, so, yeah, I think I think that frustration is is grounded, especially when it causes people to stumble and when it causes them to sin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of us in places of church leadership need to keep that on the radar. All the time, yeah. All the time. absolutely. You know what seemed like uh, maybe now I'm going to say an easy question, right? But it it it, it, leave, it, it so leave it to account. Leave it to a counselor. Well, no, that's good. It's it's good to flesh this stuff out and have these conversations. Am I defeated in any part of my life? Really makes you stop and take stock. You know, David prayed, search me, O Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Yeah. And, and we need to stop. One of, the, one, of the, the, one of the schemes of the devil is to keep us so busy doing that we never stop to take stock of, of what's really going on in us. Well said. And that's one thing I'm seeing, um, just Brad, if I may. Certainly. I'm, see- I'm seeing the practices of silence or solitude. Um, I'm seeing those returning hmm. um, and and carving out opportunities for silence again is something that probably for the last four generations, uh, North American society has not been known for. Um, and then, you know, for the past 30 years or so, I think, I think some Eastern religions, some... Um, some Eastern exercise practices and whatnot have, have brought some silence and, and meditation back. Yep. Uh, so it's more in fashion. Uh, but I think, I think we're seeing that get integrated in, in Christianity uh, again. Yes. And, and I think you're, I think you're in a really, really good point um, to stop and reflect, to stop and take a breath and, and listen for God, even if he doesn't feel like talking um, but to listen, um, to assess, I think is, is coming back. And I'm so grateful uh, to see that playing out um, for this generation. Absolutely. Listener, when the podcast is done, 
or even now. I give you permission because the next few things we're going through aren't so serious. <laughs> Stop the podcast, pause it, do whatever, and take some time to just listen. Put everything else, put everything else kind of out away. Go find a quiet place, just sit and just listen. And, and start asking, you know, maybe some, ask some serious questions about, about your life, where you're at with the Lord. You know, is there, are there areas in your life that, that he wants to work on? Good. But spend more time listening than talking. Um, uh, yeah. One of the best, uh, you know, you're, you're a pastor. One of the best advices uh, my mentor ever gave me was spend more time praying than prepping. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. John, John Wesley's uh, pulpit actually had a kneeler built right into it um, because he, he didn't separate uh, he didn't separate the act of proclaiming from prayer, and I think that's a good uh, wow. a good testimony even today for us. Thanks, Dwight. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to share on this question? I'd hate to move on if if we're still mining gold here. No, we're good. I'm 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 happy. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end of the podcast, and I want to throw a couple of last few questions at you, just for you know, just for some chuckles, perhaps, maybe. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. What are some, this just comes off the internet. This isn't Yahoo Answers. This is just out there and making its way through the internet right now. What are some things that are okay to do occasionally, but definitely not okay to do every day? <laughs> as, a, as a guy who grew up in a preacher's house, in a pretty, pretty legalistic environment, I'm going to be very careful with this question, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one and that's skip your shower. Oh, uh, not a bad thing to do every once in a while, but if that becomes a daily skipping of the shower, uh, yeah, we're all in a, we're all in a heap of trouble at that point. And how many of you were there at, in your home growing up? Just, just four, the, the, the perfect, the perfect number, two parents, two, two sons. Oh, that's what, well, I, I mean, we have two parents, my wife and I, and two children. So yep. The, yep. the million dollar family, is that what they call that? I think so. Yeah, so, we were just like missing. That. We were just missing the dog. That was it. Oh, we've got a cat. I don't, uh, that doesn't count. I'm sorry. That's a demerit. <laughs> For me, I when I read this, I thought of drinking milk from the jug. Now, before you, I almost wrote in the notes. Don't judge me, because uh, <laughs> I I don't just come in and like. So you got like a, a two liter or four liter plastic carton of milk. I don't just half carton, you know or half jug, go take a, a sip of milk occasionally, because that's just wrong anytime, right? <laughs> I'm talking if you're looking in the milk jug and it's near the bottom and you're sure that if you poured a glass, it would be, you know, that'd be yours. Uh, to me, yeah. I, I, you can't do that every day because you'll be drinking, you know, you'd be drinking milk from that container that other people, that's just gross. But occasionally, I think, I think you're free and clear. Hey, uh, all things are permissible. Not everything's beneficial, dude. So, <laughs> I've got a cold right now. So if I went and did that now, that would certainly not be beneficial to my family. Not recommended. Uh, next question: What would be the worst buy one get one free sale of all times? Yeah, this was on the interweb too, wasn't it, Brad? It, it definitely was. Yeah, uh, I, I saw those answers, and I'm going to throw a curveball at you, and I'm going to say hemorrhoid medication. Oh my word. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, not sure. Not sure that would be the the best value going for a buy one get one. But I'd throw that in the in the ring for sure. Uh, you, this is going to be awful. I, I was hoping I would come up with something different, but the first thing that was in my head was a casket. 
Yeah, that's on there. That's on the that's on the Google search. Oh, seriously? Uh, yep. So what the f- number one answer was uh, kidney removal surgery. Uh, that was <laughs> hugely popular. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then casket was was second. It was a distant second, but it was second. So at least you're uh, you're part of the Google community. Oh, I'm on trend. All right. You are trending. Hashtag Brad. Oh shoot! Don't no one use that, please. Um, All right. Well, Dwight, I want to thank you again for, for being with us. Before we go, though, I'm wondering if you could impart to us perhaps a music and a book recommendation, something that you're listening to to encourage or whatever, I hopefully yeah. encourage, and, sure. and a book for us. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, there, there's a couple. Of, so I, I don't just listen to Christian music. So I'm going to give you what's going on in my Christian playlist and one that's in my non-Christian playlist. Um, in, in my non evangelical Christian playlist, I'm, I'm still into U2. I think U2 just keeps pumping out some amazing lyrics, um, amazing quality music, and they tend to not descend to obscenities and, and that kind of, that kind of stuff. Yes. So, so I think it's pretty, you got to go a long way to, uh, to match, um, the musicianship of, of that, of that band. So, so anything by you two, just, uh, just phenomenal stuff. And believe it or not, um, I'm, I'm actually into Hillsong worship right now. Just whatever happens to come up on Hillsong on YouTube or YouTube. Um, they're, they're putting out some Christmas stuff now and I'm not usually a Christmas music guy. Yeah. Uh, I hate playing Christmas music. Um, I don't even want to acknowledge that Christmas is as close as it is, but, uh, there's some newer stuff out by Hillsong right now. Uh, one called Arrive, I think it's called. Uh, solid, solid um, song. So if you have a chance to to pull that up on on YouTube or Spotify, uh, then then go with that. Now I will just mention U um, two and Hillsong, not sponsors. There, there you go. Um, per- perfectly clear. When it comes to books, you gotta know anything I recommend for for a book is a distant second to reading the Bible. Absolutely. Um, guys and gals, whoever's listening, if you're reading a book now and you're, you're slack on your Bible reading, put that book down, pull out your Bible and read it. You're the, the authors of whatever book you're reading will wait. Jesus doesn't like waiting. Mm. Uh, so, so give some time to reading, not just a verse, don't read your verse of the day, read a chunk of the Bible. If you don't know where to start, read Psalms. Uh, and if, you, if you're not into David or the, the, the musical poetic literature, read the book of Luke and get to know Jesus, one or the other. So this, this next book I'm going to recommend is a distant, distant, distant second, but I felt like I had to say that anyway. And it's called Jesus the King. It's by Timothy Keller. Um, and it's a, it's a whole book about Jesus, and it's just subtitled Understanding the Life and Death of the Son of God. Uh, I think it's been out for a while. It's not, it's not trendy. It's not new. Um, but it's, uh, it's what, I'm, what I'm really working on right now. And from my non-evangelical, anything by Malcolm Gladwell. I like reading his stuff okay. uh, and listening to him on podcasts as well. So. Again, they're probably not sponsors either. I'm guessing they're not. Uh, no, but they're they're kicking around, and they uh, they all know how to write. That's for sure. So, well, thank you, Dwight. Um, before we go, I'm just wondering because there may be someone that's listening that perhaps 
would love to speak with a Christian counselor. Yep. How can they get in touch with you? All right. It is, man, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing day and age that we live in. Uh, I've, I've had the, the privilege of, of doing counseling with people in Africa, with people all the way across Canada, just because we get to hook up by, by media. Uh, and it's a it's it's an amazingly effective uh, way to do counseling. I recommend if you can find Christian counsel near your home, you do that. But in the Maritimes, it's really really difficult. Yep. Uh, but but ask your pastor, your youth pastor, guidance counselors at school if there are if there are counselors that that you know can be trusted to to kind of cooperate with your theology if. You can't. Uh, you can reach out to us at Pathway Christian Counseling. Um, Google search us. We've got Google ads going. Um, but Pathway Christian Counseling on PEI, um, and and we we'd love to talk to you. Um, and and this isn't a promo for me. This isn't promo hour. I know, Brad, but no, no, uh, please. We're, we're we're loving working with people, um, and and we're really seeing God do some great things. If you if you have a pen, I'll give you a, an email address. It's just admin at Pathway Counseling PEI. That's all one word: Pathway Counseling PEI. Dot ca. Uh, so you can drop us an email, or you can check us out at Pathway Counseling PEI. Dot ca on the on the old interweb. Uh, Pathway Counseling. The, the word counseling has two L's in it. It's south of the border. It's only one L, but here in, uh, in Canada land, it's, uh, it's two. So check us out on the web, pathwaycounselingpei.ca. Well, thank you again and again and again, Dwight, for taking the time to spend it with us and to share. I hope that it's been beneficial for you. I've had a blast. Anytime, please uh, let, let me know, and I will gladly break bread with you and hang out, and uh, happy editing. Well, thank you. I'm going to hold you to that. Um, thank you, listener, for taking the last hour and spending it with us. And remember that you can follow the podcast, Oxford Holy Club, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Oxford Holy Club. And you can email us, OxfordHolyClub at gmail.com. And if you do go on any of the social medias, make sure to use that hashtag, O-Club, O-H-C-L-U-B. Remember, you can, uh, you can always reach out. We'd be happy to take your questions. And if you want to get in touch with any of the people that have been on the show, we'd be happy to connect you with them. So until next time, keep spiritually fit and have fun.